This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You trade those two guys for a clone machine and you clone Trent Frederick and you have a whole fourth line of Trent Fredericks. Ooh. Trent right, Fred Eric. You have Trent, you have Fred, you have Eric. <laughs> yeah, Trent, Eric yeah. line. <laughs> uh, actually, I'd pull the trigger on that. That's, that's a cold open, sorry. National Women's Hockey League is back. The Boston Pride Revenge Tour is on. My name is Cam Hasbrook, and this is the Bruins and Bruins podcast, a the hockey podcast network podcast presented by Bruins diehards and sponsored by Save More Spirits, also known as the Pride and Pilsers podcast now that we are back. And I love that alliteration, actually. It really just rolls off the tongue. Uh, the Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by Save More Spirits. You can check them out for all of your beer, wine, and liquor needs. They have all of the macro brews, every single one of them, as well as a healthy offering of local beers and craft beers from all over. You can find their locations in Somerville, Medford, Cambridge, and Malden. If you want to learn more about them, you can check them out at savemorespirits.com. And of course, the pandemic's still going on here. You may want to not want to go out to the stores themselves. So online ordering is also available at Minibar and at Drizzly. And how about this? Free delivery from Drizzly with the promo code Brews and Bruins. That is Bruise and Bruins with the ampersand and no spaces all in one. Not Bruise and Bruins, just Bruise and Bruins. Capital B's also, I think. I'm not sure if that matters. Yeah, not, I don't know but... if that matters, but I guess that's that's worth that's worth discussing. So, uh, as I said, I'm Cam Hasbrook, joined as per usual by Chris Gear and Drew Johnson. What's up, we are man? welcoming back recurring guest and all things Boston hockey expert Lauren Campbell back to the show. Uh, screw these guys, Lauren. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. I'm super excited. Yeah, we are stoked to have you. Uh, for anybody who's listened to this before, we'll get to a lot of hockey. we got a one-two punch coming tonight with the, the Bruins and the Pride, uh, mostly from the Pride, and then we'll do some Bruins mailbag questions at the end. Uh, but, of course, this is the Bruce and Bruins podcast, so we're going to talk about what we're drinking first. So, uh, Chris, I'll send it over to you. You seem Cam. ready. Can, what, you, what you got, Drew? I guess he's going to jump this in This episode here. is also sponsored by DraftKings. Pigskin fan. <laughs> The moment you have been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do is get your share. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who'll score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN. 
to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Cam, take it away. Rolls right off the tongue. First of all, that was beautiful. That was like, I wow. I feel like that was They're a, contractually obligated movie. to like say that towards the beginning of the podcast. So I had to be like, yo, I forgot. <laughs> so and it didn't have it in front of me. So anyway, Chris, you look ready with the sweet Boston pride jerseys. What you got going on here? What are we drinking? I have a North Park Beer Co. Covington American Pilsner. Had to go with a Pilsner for pride and Pilsners. Let's start with drinkability. Uh, that is drinkable. That's that's a perfect thirty-seven. That's a that's a burgie. Um, taste you for a pilsner. You can taste it. Um, Twenty-two. Nice. Hell yeah, Drew. What you got? I got. Uh... Hop Evolution from Lord Hobo, a double IPA. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you'll know I had this like a week ago. Um, (laughs) But at that point, I didn't know as much as I know about it now. Uh, It is part of the Good Lord series, which I was like confused because it says it's like limited release. And I didn't know what that meant. I thought it meant like the design on the can. But the beer itself is limited release. You can only get it in January and February this year. I think it it might recycle in like in the fall I, I don't know exactly how they're doing it but i know for spring um and winter it's only january and february so yeah and uh i don't know go back and listen to the last episode for my ratings on it <laughs> you just afraid to get it wrong <laughs> yes. definitely not try to plug the last episode he's just scared of getting it wrong <laughs> lauren uh, you're on working hours so again i assume you're you're not drinking with us tonight but uh anything you want to you want to fire off here before we get into the hockey stuff um i mean i had a great beer over the weekend from this local brewery um actually in my hometown called lost shoe um it was a sour and it was delicious so if you guys like sours and are in the massachusetts area lost shoe in marlboro is where it's at yeah i am a uh i'm a sour simp as the, the kids say so it's any, very good any sour beer i'm all about i don't know if um, i can say that anymore <laughs> I think we definitely can. <laughs> I said it, so what are you going to do? Um, Am a resident kid. Yeah, I've been moving around, like literally moving all day, like <laughs> one location to another. So I actually didn't go with like a, a beer today. I went with <laughs> with a White Claw, shamelessly drinking a White Claw over here today. Hey, uh, but truly a White Claw, I'm just gonna, yeah, well, you know, we mix it up sometimes. You know, we're all about the variety here. Um White Claw, of course, is going to be like a 37 out of 37 on the drinkability scale. You could drink these in your sleep. Um, It's recommended. (laughs) You could, you know. (laughs) Taste-wise, I don't know, mango, one of the the better flavors, but mm, I think, you know, mildly pungent. So I'm going to give it like a a 24 on the the taste scale. So, yeah, and the the color matches our, our Bruins Pride theme today. So, yeah, there we go. Anyway, hockey is back for real now on both ends. The National Women's Hockey League, the NHL, we are in full send. This is going to be the best couple weeks really of hockey. 
probably all season long. Uh, we're here to talk about the pride. We've got Lauren Campbell here once again, like we said, who is an expert on all things Bruins and pride hockey. Let's jump right into the pride here since that is the uh, the main focus of today's episode. I guess we'll go chronologically and start out with that first game, um, and then we'll, we'll end on a little bit happier note. Uh, I guess we'll send it right over to you, Lauren. How do you feel in general about that first game? I know a lot of people were concerned about all the power play opportunities that were missed. Um, obviously, a lot of that was was bettered in game two, but how did you feel after that first one? You know, high expectations for the Pride after an extremely dominant season last year. They got cut short. Felt a little tough starting out with a two to one loss there. Yeah, I think um, starting off with a loss is obviously never a good way to start a season. But um, Paul Mara said at best post game, he was like, the power play hasn't been clicking in two years. So um, it certainly sucked going 0 for 7, watching them go 0 for 7 on a power play, especially when they had so many chances. And it was a one goal game. So just one of those goals really would have been the difference there. But overall, I still felt really good. It was still a slim loss to the team they were supposed to play in the Isabel Cup last year. So overall, it was, I think, a, a still a really good performance from from the Pride. Um, and the Minnesota Whitecaps are a tough team. You know, just as tough as the Pride are, the, the Caps are, are tough right there with them. Um, and this is kind of what I expected going in, that these two teams probably will be neck and neck for the entire season. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, uh, obviously you don't want to start the season off with a loss, um, but there were some some good things to draw from that game. Obviously, the power play was the thing that was stood out as, as a problem, but they still put up 37 shots and outshot Minnesota by nearly a 2-1 to margin there. Um, so that was certainly a good thing to see, especially with you know a lot of these women not being able to, to skate as much, and it's certainly not as a team over the last while. It did seem like they were clicking for the most part, at least in five-on-five five play, you did want to see more from that power play. But um, it was a tight game all around. I was really waiting for the tying goal at the, in the end of the third period there. I thought it was coming. I was I was surprised, honestly, when the time ran out. They didn't get it. It felt like one of those games where if there was two, three, four more minutes, you were going to go to overtime there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say with the, with the shot totals there, uh, a, a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative where – yeah, it seemed like a lot of opportunities for the Pride. And yeah, you always want to outchance the other team, but it felt like the shot quality that the Whitecaps were getting was really high. A lot of breakaways, really aggressive on the offensive end, especially stepping up from the for the defenders uh, on the offensive side, where just kind of giving up a lot of breaks going the other way. And uh, Lavisa Salander made a lot of really tough saves. And I, I think the biggest issue was just the the rebound control on those two goals. And I mean, there was, there was a lot to like about it. Um, I mean, that first line buzzing the whole game, um, a lot, a lot of really good puck movement. And I mean, you got to see some of the newer players, uh, you know, doing some really good things. And I, and I thought just overall from a, from a strategy perspective, it was really interesting to watch what we're going to see moving forward with this team. Yeah, I think the power play was definitely <clears throat> concerning in that game. There was at one point, it was about like 20 to 30 seconds that Minnesota had the puck pinned in the pride zone while the pride were on the power play. They literally killed like a quarter of the power play, just pinning it against the boards and forcing them to dig for it. And I think that was kind of a metaphor for how the power play went that entire game. Um, in my notes, I have cool goal for Minnesota. Does anyone know what I meant by that? Because I... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it was their second goal. It was, it was uh, in my second period notes. Or yeah, it was a it was a breakaway, and uh, Salander made the save. Then the puck kind of squirted to the corner, I think, to a different Whitecaps player. And then when yeah. she stood up, I think the puck was banked in off of her uh, outside leg. Okay. Yeah, it was a behind the goal line bank shot. Um, one of those ones that if it's on your team, you're like, hell yeah. And if it's the other team, you're like the most frustrated person in the ever. Yeah. Like, how do we give up a goal from below the fucking goal line? Well, wasn't um, there another one that went the other way? Oh, the- well, yeah. Jillian Dempsey scored one. In yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> so, again, it's it really depends on what side of the coin you're on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think it was also the, the, the tone that was struck after the game with the media sessions, which Lauren kind of mentioned a little bit with the power play earlier on. Um, but I felt a little better kind of after that. And, and, and Mara said pretty much, you know, losing the first game isn't ideal, but a little adversity isn't the worst thing, especially for a team that I don't want to say coasted last season, but was so dominant going 23 and one before the season was cut short. Having that first game as a loss. I don't know. I don't hate it. You look at, I don't know, the, the thing that comes to mind for me was the United States World Juniors team this year. Lost that first game to Russia, got them right on track, and, and they just ran house the rest of the tournament. I mean, obviously, we have a while to go here for the pride still, but that second game was a big turnaround. So, I don't know. I feel like you don't want to lose the first game, but if you're going to lose a game, especially in the season this short, I think the first one is the one to do it. Get those mistakes out of the way. You can chalk it up to a million different things from – you know, just a little bit of rust to, you know, it's the first game, whatever. And and getting back on track here like they did in that second game, I don't know, could be a lot worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, Paul Mara, they, he takes so much pride in his players and he constantly says that he builds his team on character. Just good on and off the ice. So it's um, obviously you saw that in the first game. You saw that in the second game too. And he also said in post game with, Minnesota doesn't want to play us again. I was like, oh, all right. Like, that's it. <laughs> Pride going undefeated the rest of the way. Like, it was – I mean, it's, that's what you want to hear, too, after. Like, they know what they need to fix. They clearly fixed it in the second game. And, you know, it's a short season, so every loss counts more than a win, I think. That's that's a true – yeah. I, I think that's a really good way to phrase it, actually, that every loss kind of does count more than a win. Because, you know, that – the win, as great as it was, a five to one win, which we'll get to in a second against the Buttes, feels good, obviously, and you feel a lot better about the team moving forward. But it feels like okay, we're kind of getting back on track now. Versus, you know, if you had won those first two games, that'd feel good, but still not like you know crazy. That if they had lost those two games, I would be very concerned right off the bat. So there really is no room for error this season, which um, is unfortunate on some circumstances, but at the same time it makes it exciting because every single period it's essentially playoff hockey right off the bat, which is like almost cruel for the players because there is going to be that little bit of rust. That's just inevitable. Um, but at the same time, it's just like you're hanging on every second and it's, it's great to watch as a fan for sure. Oh yeah. It's so fun. It's fast and it's so competitive because there's only five or six games and before they get to the playoffs. So they know that they have to give everything they have each game. Yeah. Anybody, uh, anybody got anything else they want to talk about about the first game? I assume we're going to have more about that second one. but Yeah, just uh, Jenna Rowe really stood out to me, and it really sucks that she hurt her wrist uh, and isn't going to be, I assume, not be able to play the rest of the tournament because she uh, she said on Twitter this morning that she broke it. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, just watching her like fly up the left side and have that assist on the, the Putinia goal in the first game, was uh, that was awesome. And she uh, 
she had a lot of other really good plays in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone, especially. Yeah, that's a big yeah. loss for them, but um, it, I'm assuming she'll be out too. I don't think they've officially said she'll be out for the rest of the season, but you have to think of fractured wrist and 16 days in Lake Placid probably doesn't really add up that she'll come back, but they do have the depth. So that's a silver lining there, but those first game and a half that she played, she looked so dominant and just such a good, like good spot on this team. Like where she was, she was just knew where to be at all times. And now they don't have that in, in her anymore. Yeah. that's going to hurt, but um, luckily this is a deep team and uh, we saw that, especially in that second game. Um, so, Obviously, it hurts to lose a player of that caliber, and and she is really fun to watch. But um, it's not a it's by no means a, a death stamp on this team. You know, there's still a lot to be excited about uh, for the rest of the season. So, on that note, game two a lot different of a look. I mean, the Pride jump out to a, a relatively early one nothing lead. Um, Buffalo ties it bat pretty much right off the bat, getting getting right back into that one, and uh, you know the Pride took the lead going into the first, looked like it was going to be a relatively close game, and then just absolutely dominated in the second period. Uh, Buffalo actually outshot the Pride 10-9 to in the first period, and then the Pride outshot the Buttes 20-5 to in the second period <laughs> and outscored them 3 to nothing with a pair of power play goals, which really got that – I mean, getting the power play going, I think, was, was what spurred the rest of that explosion offensively. Um, and there was so much to like there. You also have Julian Dempsey recording her 100th career point, the first one in the National Women's Hockey League to get to the 100-point mark. Just a lot to be excited about about this game. Somebody picked something to talk about. I don't know. There's, there's a million different ways to go with this. So Yeah, I mean, that Dempsey goal from behind the uh, goal line was great. And then <clears throat> the one that got her the 100 points was uh, – it was like it, someone fanned on a shot. It wound up to someone left of the – I think it was it's King? Number sixteen. I don't know the names. The names are on the bottom of it's, the jersey. So let's, let's say it's it's really tough, especially when they're wearing the yellows. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the the colors blend in. Also, as soon as the goal is scored, the whole arena goes black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you, yeah. I can't tell who was even on the ice, but, which uh, does kind of look sick. But it's just it's it tough. Isn't it? <laughs> but there yeah. was like a fan shot. The puck wound up. I think it was King who had the puck, and then passed it over to Dempsey, and I, that was an awesome goal. Um, and then that that Buffalo goal, it was a breakaway, right? And that was it was the only one. They, yeah, it was just they let up yeah. a breakaway, and that was the, like the flaw. And uh, yeah, you can't it, 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 basically a shutout if they didn't get that opportunity. Basically, so a good game all around. Yeah, and I think the rookies um, were a really strong point in this game, and the goaltending too in the the first two games was amazing. You see, you got to see both goalies, so that was really good. And the rookies really came out to play. We, we kind of knew what we were getting in Sammy Davis just because, you know, she's an incredible player. She played at BU. She's so fast. And it's just like she just gets faster. And I didn't think that was possible because she was so fast at BU. And she's so fun to watch. So it's really cool to see her get that first goal out of the way. And obviously watching Jillian Dempsey make history was really, really cool. Um, it's kind of crazy to me, too. The league's been around for – since 2015 and no one's reached hundred points. Um, so I think that goes to show just how dominant she is. And for her being an older player, I'm using air quotes here because she's only 30, but that's, you know, that's, that's getting up there in, in sports terms. So it's just to see her continue to dominate 
is has been really fun. But I think the highlight of the second game has been we're the rookies for sure. Chris slugging a beer at the 30-year-old <laughs> remark there. That's pretty great. Um, Chris, your best days are behind you. How does it feel? <laughs> I think all of us are. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, um, but my other takeaway, uh, as the first line was buzzing in the first game, first line obviously buzzing in this game, but uh, Christina Poutine has been such a huge player in both of these games and uh, really distributing the puck well. And uh, obviously she scored in the first game, but yeah, this – the top line absolutely buzzing. The uh, the McKenna Brand goal uh, that I think caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, just absolute snipe, and and that was uh, I mean that was the most excited I've been since uh, these games started. Yeah, that was an I, I'm really no other way to put it. It was an absolute snipe. <laughs> just, I <laughs> did not see that kind of shot coming, um, and the goalie certainly didn't either. Because my goodness, that was just a, a rocket. Um, yeah, a lot to be excited about. I mean, like you said, uh, Julian Dempsey getting the 100-point mark and scoring two goals in that game, such an impressive display from her. Um, you know, we talked a little bit last time about Sammy Davis and what to expect from her uh, based on what we saw at BU. And I think getting that first goal, obviously, not that she lacks confidence by any means, but, um, you know, for any rookie, you, you kind of feel the weight of that until you, you get that first goal or first point or something like that. To see her get on the board, I would not be surprised if the floodgates open from here on out and we see a lot more of that. It can really be a confidence booster. And then, Lauren, you mentioned the goaltending. I think last time we had talked a lot about uh, LaVisa Salander just because um, I'm a big fan of hers just with her background and stuff. But Victoria Hansen looked really good in this game. And um, we're probably going to get lost in, in the explosive offense that we saw. But that first period penalty shot she stopped was a big momentum saver. Um, and I had tweeted out, like, remember that play, because I think a lot of times when you have a team like the Pride that can explode on the other end of the ice, plays like that, especially when they're early in the game, kind of get lost in the game recap. And that was a really, you know, that you give up that goal, that can really change the momentum of what's going on there. So I was extremely impressed with what I saw from Hanson. Um, granted, only only 20 saves and 21 shots wasn't tested outrageously, but that's still a really strong game. Um, is there anything you want to say about her and, and I guess about the, the goaltending tandem maybe for, for Bruins fans who aren't as familiar with the pride? Um, how could you compare this tandem to a, a Raskin Halak where it is like one of those dominant tandems in the league? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is this Raskin Halak just you know that you can get your number one goalie some rest with your backup goalie and you can you basically have two number one caliber goalies on your bench. So no matter what, you're going to get a dominant performance. And we saw that in the opening games. And that penalty shot was, like you said, a huge momentum saver because that could have really changed the game. We've seen it so many times in NHL games, and it just sucks the energy from from the players and just kind of like, okay, like we just gave up a free goal, time to get back at it. And sometimes it's just hard to rebound from that. So that was huge for her. And it was just really great seeing both of them uh, back-to-back games. Um, being able to see both goalies in back-to-back games, it's gonna it's a short season, it's gonna be quick, so we're probably gonna see that a lot. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna be good. I think when Hansen gets tested a little bit more, I think it's just gonna be more dominance. That's certainly the type of confidence you want from from a goaltender for sure. Absolutely. And especially with a, such a shortened season like this, where you are pretty much playing rapid fire games. I mean, they went back to back this weekend. 
Um, whole league had an off day today on Monday as we record, but by the time this is out on Tuesday, we'll be back in a game day. And uh, like you said, 16-day season here. It's going to be quick. So there's not much time to rest. Being able to bounce back between those two, especially if someone has an off night, um, is going to be really important throughout the rest of this. Yeah, I think one of those things, I, I wasn't sure how much we were going to see of second goaltenders right away on the back-to-backs, but I think when it is such a quick season, it's kind of that playoff atmosphere and it adds that extra pressure to it. So maybe a game of really intense uh pressure it does take a little more out of you especially when it's like really early on in the tournament where they haven't been playing for for a while so kind of <laughs> maybe not in like fully ready to be going back to back right out of the shoot yeah definitely definitely um oh, there was something else i wanted to get to and then i started pulling something out and i lost it, it pretty- um <sighs> Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll take a look ahead here. So we got the first ever Boston and Toronto matchup coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Primetime game, 8.30 p.m., I think it is. I got to pull up the schedule again. Um, Yeah, yeah, 8.30. Today as of listening. Yeah, today as of listening. Tuesday, January 26th, 2021, 8.30 p.m. (laughs) This is evergreen content. (laughs) Exactly. You know know someone randomly, like, in 2050 is going to stumble, you know, during the nuclear apocalypse, like, (laughs) and, like, they're just going to stumble upon an iPhone with this episode playing. (laughs) Can't make the exact joke I was going to make. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I just had to beat you to it. I didn't want to let Drew finish. I didn't hear his joke because I was talking. Oh, it's in Brazil. Someone's in Brazil. All right, sweet. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess I have a couple questions here. First of all, in general, what are we expecting from this? But second of all, I mean, look, Boston and Toronto, of course, the NHL, massive rivalry at least the last uh, decade or so. I mean, I don't know. It's the Toronto Six, the newest NWHL team. I have a feeling just based on on the hatred between those two cities when it comes to hockey and the rivalry in general, um, kind of a classic American-Canadian battle as well. I have a feeling that's going to carry over even if this is the first time that these two teams are meeting. I don't know. Am I crazy for that? Or are we expecting the, a, a feisty game tomorrow? Uh, Toronto and the and the Pride like went up, were on Twitter right when uh... – you know, Toronto got yeah. in there and we're giving it back and forth. They're already, so they're already they're social media managers hate each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which can do yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to definitely be a feisty series. Um, Boston, Toronto, obviously in the NHL go back. There's plenty of rivalry there and it makes it fun. It makes it, you know, more engaging too, when you kind of already have that rivalry with the men's league. And I think it just kind of will automatically spill over. We've seen the Twitter beef. It's really fun. Um, and Toronto, I believe they're still searching for their first win. Yeah. They're Oh, one and one. So they're going to come out hot and it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game, but I think, you know, Boston has this momentum now that from the, from that last win, putting up five goals and they're just kind of going to ride that. So it's not going to be easy by any means, but it's certainly going to be a battle and it's going to be a lot of fun to see Boston and Toronto on our TVs again. Yeah, I cut that Minnesota and Toronto game where it went into a shootout. I cut the latter half. I cut the uh, the third period and then the shootout. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, they came so close. I think Toronto actually had like a lead in the shootout for a while, and then they just couldn't bury the the game winner. Um, and then Minnesota tied it up, and uh, it went another round or two before Minnesota won it. So Toronto's definitely hungry. So 
definitely not going to just be an easy. We just we're going to walk through them because they're a new team. Uh, they're going to be definitely really wanting that win, considering they came so close and are still searching for that first one. So uh, pride got to be on their game. But, you know, if they have another game like they did the other night, then, you know, uh, they should come out with a W. But as Chris likes to say, hockey is weird. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a great setup, guys, and um, really adorable. So you know, I, I toss out the assists. Chris scores the goals. Cam gets fired. <laughs> it is <laughs> one, the classic one-two-three punch. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for this one. Um, I don't, I don't want to just restate everything you guys said, but you have to imagine that rivalry is going to spill over. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully, the start of of you know a, a unique rivalry here uh, for the women as well. So. Um, this one's going around the, the history books. First time Boston and Toronto have, have matched up against each other. So um, hopefully the pride can get off to a good start. I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm kind of expecting a win here after the last game we saw in, in Toronto. Um, not that there's any easy games here, but it doesn't look to be as strong as a team like Minnesota who gave Boston a little bit of trouble here. So um, yeah, I'm expecting, I'm expecting things to continue on the right note here for the pride. Um. Do you want to get into some mailbag stuff, or I don't know. I, I actually I did have one more um, NWHL point I wanted to discuss quick. Um, obviously, the semifinals and the final will be picked up by NBC Sports Network, but the uh, regular season has been available to stream on Twitch. How have you guys felt about that? I, th- I thought the presentation has been really well done. Um, yeah. Everything from the the play by play calling to the actual broadcast itself. I think it's been really great to watch. Um, let me say, okay. So two things for me, uh, one, Eric Ayala is great. Uh, excellent person up in the booth. Um, two, the, uh, Zamboni in between periods uh, is so much better than anything NBC sports has ever done (laughs) (laughs) on the scale of Mike Milbury to whatever. I think Zamboni is up at the top. No, I think Zamboni Uh, is the measurement for that. It's Mike Milbury to Zamboni. (laughs) That's the scale from now on (laughs) by which uh, intermission uh, entertainment will be judged. Yeah. Yeah. I've loved it. Um, So I'm very, very new to Twitch. I don't like, I don't really know much about it, but it was super easy to access, which I thought was great for, for me and other people who maybe not really sure how to use it. Um, I thought the presentation itself was great. Um, The broadcast crew is amazing. They are fun and they're really upbeat and they're really good at just kind of making you feel like, you know, what's going on, even if you have no idea what's going on. Um, and I love the chat function. That's just, it's so simple, but it's just like, it kind of brings people together and it's so much fun. People are like gifting subs to other people and people are just so friendly and nice. I'm like, wow, this is really, really cool. And just like watching that happen. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a game going on. I'm like monitoring the chat, seeing what's yeah. going on. But um, I really, really liked it. Um, it kind of wants me, like, it makes me want to use Twitch more for other things and see what else is out there. So that was, it was just cool to kind of get into it and see what it was all about. I think on that note, um, you might, you might be like rudely awakened with the chat function in, in other communities. I think that oh, really sure. does speak to, um, I think it speaks to the, the women's hockey community though. And, and about how, cause I've noticed the same thing. I mean, a lot of the times when I'm watching any kind of stream, like my first thing to do is just turn off the chat. Cause it's just pure, like, a cesspool of, of trash, you know what I mean? But this is, it's been really great. I mean, the, 
the community, even people talking about the chat on Twitter and, and gifting subs and things like that. I think it really does speak to the, the community that's building around women's hockey. And uh, it's, it's really refreshing just to see a, a chat function that I'm actually engaged with and, and can use as a secondary, like kind of like we're all live tweeting NHL games, being able to do something like that, but also with the game right there, where we're all watching at mm-hmm. the same time has been really refreshing to me. I'm, I'm pretty anti chat uh, personally, just cause it, it gets uh. way too busy, but I do, I do like the, uh, the, people up in the booth interacting with the chat. I like, yeah, I feel like that could have easily been ignored. Just like not paying attention to it at all. If you're, you're calling a game, you could ignore the chat. Like no one's going to say anything, but I, I do like that interaction. I just can't be watching a hockey game, which is already a like totally consuming uh, sport where I have to be paying attention the whole time. And I can't have things like I can't have hundreds of people <laughs> a second writing messages. Yeah, I, I like Twitch as a platform as someone who streams on there and watches streams on there and stuff. Uh, the really cool thing, if people don't know, is uh, that if you have Amazon Prime, you can hook it up to your Twitch account and then subscribe to a streamer such as NWHL, which you definitely should for free. Uh, it costs you nothing. It gives them... Um, if they're a regular streamer, it gives them two dollars and fifty cents. But I think they get everything from a subscription because they're like an organization and stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, do that if you have if you have Amazon Prime. It'll, it'll take you like two minutes, maybe five minutes if you're not tech savvy. To, uh, yeah, I had, uh, I had Drew as my IT guy uh, <laughs> trying to talk you through. Yeah, so just that. DM us and we'll send you Drew. <laughs> DM us, but yeah, if you but... have Amazon Prime already, you get this subscription once a month. It's free for you and it benefits the league. Like, go do it. And you get a bunch of emotes to use in those chats. There's just, They have all the logos. The Boston Pride one looks so good. I'll like just go into other streams and I just start using the Boston Pride like logo. <laughs> People are like, "That's a sick emote. What the hell is that?" And then I have to explain. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's a great way for them to you know broadcast the games. It's free for people to watch, but there's this whole science of encouraging people to donate subscriptions and you can do bits, which is like kind of donating money and stuff. And it's really cool. It's a really cool way to watch a game when you have like literally thousands of people in there to interact with while you're watching. End up streaming right now. Hey, there you go. Open um, ice with ad gamer doc <laughs> underscore. Well, I guess in the, in the past for people listening, but wow. yeah. Hey, um, maybe they are right now. Go check it out. That's true. Probably depending on when you're, well, if you're listening to this Tuesday night, there should be games going on. Hell, games. The, the Boston Toronto game might be on right now, in which case you should probably turn us off and watch that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, one more note about Twitch and the NWHL is that, I don't know, for me, it's been really great just like having a free option to watch these games that is really easy to access, even for people who aren't familiar with Twitch. Just as, It's as simple as click the link and you're, and you're watching. Um, I think that really goes a long way for for growing the sport and you know i've had a ton of people where i just i sent it to like my whole family yesterday just being like hey nwhl is back free to watch great hockey click this link you don't have to on your phone log in through anything like that you don't have to jump through sketchy streams um great presentation like we said so it's been it's been really easy and and clutch i think just being able to send that around to people um and and have a free option where you also do have the the choice to support the league further by subscribing by donating and things like that so um, yeah, I definitely hope we see more of this from at least the end of, and then hopefully the NHL even experience with that down the road, because I think there's a, that could be the future of watching sports is something like this where it's a little more interactive. So hopefully, hopefully the NHL, the NHL picks up on, on the end of, but, 
One more, um, one more thing on it is that uh, <clears throat> there's a log of the streams, so the full games are there right now. You can go to their channel and check it out. And also at the end of all of those streams, there's a quick recap of the entire game. So if you're just looking for like a two, three minute recap, literally just go there. Uh, I'm sure that there might be recaps on YouTube and on web on their uh, NWHL's website and stuff like that, but it's there as well if you can't find it. So um, yeah, also sure. before we move on to Bruins, I think the Hockey Podcast Network has something to say. <laughs> Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, so mailbag. Let me pull up some of this. Oh, I have I have them all pulled up. Oh well, lead the way then, my guy. <laughs> oh well, I have three. I hope no one else added anything in the last uh, twenty minutes or so. Um, but hey, yeah, we got some N- some NHL <laughs> some hashtag NHL Bruins uh, <laughs> questions. Uh, first one comes from J underscore Rock, who has asked us a question before. If you don't remember, his at is J T T J two two one zero three eight three five. He asked, well, he said, "Love the show," which is awesome. Thank you. We love Appreciate you. Too. It sounds like it's a burner that one of us made, but it really is <laughs> <No>, it <laughs> not me. But <laughs> he says, uh, "Promise it's not." Wow, what's the panel's thoughts on Sean Corrales' game to date? This being Monday, so hopefully, oh, hopefully, does really, really good soon and says we suck or something. But uh, uh, love is grit, but he seems tentative this year. Maybe just needs some regular line mates. Uh, Cam, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I I, do, I have a soft spot in my heart for Corrales. Um. Largely because I like the way he plays, but also just because his like celebrations is the cutest freaking thing ever. It's just like he's it's just pure joy every time he scores, um, and it's kind of adorable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's been a limited sample size. I think especially you know to judge any player based on what we've seen too much is uh, we're still a little early for that, and especially for somebody who you know has that value on the fourth line. Um, for players like him, I really tend to take the second half of the season a little bit more seriously because. That's when you're kind of getting ready for the playoffs, and that's when you need those those deep lines to bring energy and stuff. Um, I've been—I don't want to say I'm disappointed with how he's played so far, but he hasn't necessarily stood out to me yet. Um, but I don't think that's you know anything you got to press the panic button on this far. So I don't know. Okay, so far. Lauren, what do you think of Corelli? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with what he's done. Um, and it's hard to say like, does he need new line mates? Does he need like steady line mates? Because that's the the third and fourth line there. Those are very interchangeable lines any game, um, especially with Bruce Cassidy. So I don't know if it's just a matter of there was really no preseason, couldn't really get their legs under them before the season started, and it's just a matter of shaking off some rust, just getting more reps, and just kind of being on the ice without you know Krug and Chara and other players who have been there for a while. He's you know he's got a and he's young too ish. Yeah, he's young. Um, 
he's just kind of kind of find his role and just kind of cement himself in this lineup. And we know what he can bring. We've seen it in the last year. We know exactly what he can bring to this team. So I'm not worried. Uh, if we come back in a month and he's still doing the same thing, then yeah, I'm going to be a little worried, but not right now. Karali gear. What are your yeah, thoughts? I'm, I'm pretty anti panic on, on things like this where like it's, it's your fourth line. And especially when it's a fourth line like this, a lot of teams are, I, I mentioned this on a, I think last week's episode, uh, a lot of teams are doing the like, okay, we're going to put all our young skill guys in the fourth line and see what they can do down there. And really the Bruins have not ever been a team to do that. Um, and I, I do kind of like the addition of Bjork down there where that's kind of a thing you can do when you, when you have a player like that, who's not really fitting in anywhere else or when someone like Trent Frederick kind of forces his way onto the third line. Um, I, I think that'll just help in general. Um and yeah, you're not looking for that fourth line to score. That's that's the fourth yeah. line that just sits there and and makes sure the other team doesn't score while you're resting up your other players. And that's a, a valuable function. And I mean, over the past few years, Corrali's been like pretty good at pushing the pace and being you know an offensive driver. But that's really not their job. Yeah, I think with uh, Corrali. In the past, you've consistently gotten this guy who's a solid fourth liner, can play on the third line if you need him to, but due to injury. Um, there's a reason like the Bruins have gone through guys like Riley Nash and uh, fucking the fucking other guys <laughs> like Riley Nash. That <laughs> <Chris> Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but Corrales always stayed there because he's that guy who is a fourth liner through and through. Who you could pay a fourth line salary and be fine, but also can chip in on the third line. Um, and he's really a really good fourth liner, one of the best fourth liners in the league when he's on his A game. When he's not, he, he you know, he kind of gets lost in the mix there. But I haven't noticed anything like dreadful about him so far this season. Um, so, I mean, I think he's doing his he's doing his job. He's not excelling. He's not exceeding expectations, but he's doing his job. So I, I don't really have a problem with him right now. From yeah, an expected goals standpoint, yeah, sorry to cut you off a little bit, but just uh, I, gl- I glanced at some expected goals data and really no one on that line is, they're all kind of sort of toward the middle, N- nothing bad. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want. And again, I, nobody's expecting huge things, I think, from the fourth line. Um, <clears throat> I think, the, like Chris mentioned before, I think the, the role of the Bruins fourth line, especially the last couple of years, has been um, eat some minutes, try to tire out the other. I mean, to me, uh, an effective fourth line, the way the Bruins do it does two things. It pressures the other team and wears them out, especially in playoff series or like we're seeing this year in these kind of mini back-to-back series that we're playing against teams where you can wear out the opponents or B, you can take a defensive zone draw or a neutral zone draw, try to push the puck up the ice. And even if you're not generating offensive opportunities, get pucks in deep, shout out Colin, get a puck on net and earn an offensive zone draw for your more skilled players so that guys like the erection line with Bergeron, Marchand, and eventually Pasternak when he comes out um, have an opportunity to start right in the offensive zone instead of having to work the puck up there. And I think the last couple of seasons, the Bruins' fourth line has done a pretty good job of doing that. Um, you know, obviously they'll pitch in here and there with a goal. It's always nice. It's never something you want to rely on. But I think as far as, as that effect goes, they've done a pretty good job. Oh, and shouts to Chanel and Kaylee for naming the fourth line. Uh, it's the kids' table at the Golden at Golden Corral. The Golden Corrales, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, nice. We now have four lines of names. 
that yep. are all nice. Oh, and uh, this just in, if you're listening on Friday, uh, Sean Corrali has scored two hat tricks and proved us all wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the same game, actually. Yeah, in the same game. Remarkable. The Bruins won uh, 18 to nothing. Uh, Pasternak scored a few from from the bench. Not no, He wouldn't be on the bench if he's not dressed. Where would he be? The fucking seventh floor. Okay. Um, Tommy Orton has a question. <laughs> At the Tommy Orton. There are no other Tommy Ortons. He says, who do you think will get drafted by Seattle from the Bruins? Who do they expose? I'm just going to go and say Kevin Miller is going to be exposed. I don't know if they'll take him. (laughs) I don't think they'll take him. (laughs) Nick Ritchie after he puts up 700 points this year. (laughs) Um, Probably a younger dude would be my guess. Just one of the the fucking 17 young guys they got on the team that are like in that range where they're not going to be able to protect them, but they're decent enough. My real answer is uh, whichever – Bruins defenseman like decides to be good this year, whichever the young guys, mm-hmm. like if Zaboral turns out to be like the guy or if Lausanne turns out to be the guy, like most teams are only protecting three defensemen. So uh, that's, that's a likely thing, but uh, I mean, depending on who else is exposed, it's kind of hard to just be like, yeah, that Bruins defenseman is going to be worth more than whatever other defensemen are exposed around the league. So, I mean, like Andre Kasha could be a, a guy who gets taken and, and yeah, Nick Ritchie, if he has like a really big season, that could be a guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, uh, the, the protections are going to be what they protect. What seven forwards, three defensemen. So I think so. Yeah. I think do they get like, like 10 skaters overall and that's usually what they do or is it like they get a certain amount of forwards they get to protect they get a certain th- amount of defense no so i think if you can either do uh seven forwards three defensemen or you can do eight total skaters oh I think wow is the deal. weird um, I think that's if, if you want to protect four defensemen it, it's expensive <laughs> how's um, that work how's that work well i I'm, I'm asking like because i doubt you know because you don't work for the nhl but how does that work if because there's guys like if they have no trade clauses or whatever you have to protect them in that case what if you got like nine forwards you have to protect i think it's only if they have no move clauses i think you have if you have no oh, trade okay. clauses you can be exposed okay yeah, i think so. as much as it pains me to say this i think it's I think Anders Bjork has a really good chance of um, not getting protected. Not even so much that he hasn't really performed so well this season through the first five games, but more so that he's still young. He's still really fast. His defensive game has really stepped up this in the first couple games of the season. Um, I hope that's not the case. Uh, big Anders Bjork stand over here. So, um, But I think he's one of those younger guys that kind of falls into that where you know, where does he really have a spot on this team or was it be, would it be worth just kind of exposing him to the trade and see if he goes to Seattle? If that's the case, then I'm, you know, Seattle Kraken's number one fan, but I think, <laughs> I think I don't, I can't get my hopes too high that he'll be with the Bruins um, next year. Well, as long as Chanel's with the organization, we're also, <laughs> that is very yeah. true. <laughs> Chanel very would true. actually be in charge of drafting. <laughs> drafting <laughs> actually, he put the bug in there. No, I agree, though. I think um, – I don't know if, if it is going to be a, a forward that is being taken, I guess. I, you know, there's going to be players exposed on both ends. But um, if Seattle does decide to take a forward, that was one of the names that jumped in my head that's kind of in a, a similar, I guess, maybe less um, 
pronounced version of like the Jake DeBrusque role, where it's a younger player, um, has shown some flashes of it, starting to get there a bit, um, but still you're not quite sure if they're going to pan out as you'd hope. Um, DeBrusque obviously kind of stuck in on that second line you would expect would be protected, but Bjork is kind of falls into that bottom six right now where he might not, I don't know, maybe if he has a breakout season, they decide it's worth it, but at, at this point I would be a little surprised. Um, but but as a player who, again, we've seen flashes of, um, and when he's when he's been healthy, and you know that's been an issue in the past, and especially in his, his first couple of seasons. But um, as somebody who who could be exposed, and and somebody like Seattle might be willing to gamble on a little bit because he does have a, a higher ceiling than maybe some other players who are a little bit older, um, who you might be able to grab. Um, but you know kind of what you're going to get, and it's not quite as high. So. I don't know. I love Bjorky too, but we'll have to we'll have to see. We're still a long ways out. I think this is definitely a question we'll be revisiting uh, later on in the season for sure. Yeah, I think we'll definitely revisit it later on the season. But like, what I'm thinking about right now, who you protect? And I forget the age restrictions, but I would assume like someone like Studnicka, who's basically a rookie, would be automatically protected because of age stuff. Or anybody who's on an, if, if you're on an ELC, I think you're protected automatically. Yeah. You don't. You don't have protected i mean um, right yeah you're automatically protected but uh uh i'm trying to think because if they have to protect seven four as well you got the uh the perfection line or the erection line trademark bruise and bruins um and restricted i don't know how that works how that lawyer stuff works but we got bsc resident lawyer who can tell us eventually um and then so that's three right there you got Krejci, probably debrusque uh, in there, a ufa you- Oh, but what if they like signed him? What if they extended? I think the free agency periods after the expansion. So they'd have to protect him anyway if they wanted to keep his rights. Oh, I guess Seattle might not go for you. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Say you protect Pretend you protect Pretend, pretend, pretend you protect Protect at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) Upon this rock. They're going to sign him to a lifetime contract just to use one of the spots on him. So that's four. Then you got to protect Coil as a forward. Um, And I think, I mean, depending on the years that the other guys have, you got DeBrusque, who's probably your fifth. And it's like Kasha or Smith or something like that. You know, then the whole then Anders Bjork would be the forward I think left out in that scenario so I'd agree with that and defense yeah I agree Chris you said it earlier like Lozano Zaboro could be out there but there's also the option the Bruins could do a trade and be like you take this guy and then we give you this shit and I don't know why so Tom well. Sweeney talks like that but he does <laughs> <in my mind. laughs> Florida Panthers gave Vegas a, a cup team basically <laughs> by, just, I, all, all teams in the first expansion draft decided they we're going to outsmart themselves and uh, try and get rid of all their, what they thought were their bad contracts and give them to Vegas. And turns out that was a cup team. <laughs> so pretty much. Yeah. Um, oh, Tommy also has a, another question. When are you going to brew your own Krejci themed beer? Um, well, so, so here's the thing. Uh, I think it'd be better to do like a Krejci themed whiskey and call it upon this rock. So you can have oh, oh. on the rock. See, I was thinking if it was a beer, if it was a beer, you'd call it upon this hop. Ooh, I mean, we can do spinoff. Well, the answer is we're in talks with nobody, and it's coming soon <laughs> or later. Uh, or that never. Sounds, sounds like opportunity. <laughs> Business <laughs> partners, possibly hey, you. Hit us up, <laughs> bruise and bruins at gmail.com. Business inquiries. <laughs> 
<laughs> or just add us on Twitter or some shit. Though. Probably easier, yeah. Wait, in our <laughs> DMs, like most, like most business inquiries have been. Yeah, my old uh, college roommate actually got me uh, some whiskey stones that are like shaped like the little hockey pucks. So uh, that could go well with the with the uh, upon this rock, David Krejci. Uh, but twice barrel aged. We'll have to make it really long too, just to piss off Colin. Yeah. <laughs> but Sorry, we'll Colin. figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, Drew. What else we got here? Um, we have one more. Well, it's four questions in this. But right. uh, from listener <laughs> Patrick Laverty, shouts to Patrick. Uh, oh, I have um, another one after too. That was tweeted. Listener. Um, I'm gonna ask his last question first because it kind of goes with what with what we were talking about. Um, so if Bjork isn't like taken in the expansion draft, like does he leave before that? Does do you think Bjork finishes the season with the Bruins at all? Sounds like a Lauren. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he does. I think. Um, I mean, it also kind of depends on what kind of season he has too. If he's going to break out, are they going to try to trade him to get maybe something else that they're missing? Um, do they try to do they try to package him with a young defender? Maybe it's not working out the way they thought. Um, He's a really interesting piece because he's, you know, obviously he was a stud at Notre Dame and then the injuries kind of piled up and left him sidelined for a little while. And he really hasn't gotten back to what he should be. But I think at the end of the day, I have to say yes. And it's not just me being a big homer here. I think it's just, I don't, unless, like I said, unless he has this like huge breakout and they try to trade him, but I don't. I think those chances are slim to none. I do think he stays with the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't long ago that we were talking about Jake DeBrusque and Andres Bjork in the same breath of like, which one of these guys do you think is going to be better? And I think like it's kind of foolish to close the book on that argument already, just because it hasn't worked out that way for him yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have high hopes for him this season, but I think the organization knows what they have with him and that he still has some sort of value and definitely more value to them as a prospect than to other teams as just kind of a flyer. I also think like going back to the expansion draft, like if you're going to trade him and let's say you package him for something of value, then that's another person you have to protect. And, and on the flip side of that, where if it's somebody who, Hey, he might be somebody that they're going to take, then why deal him away for something else, you know what I mean? It's, it seems like there's, there's there's a lot of moving parts, and you're adding more question marks. Where it's like, hey, if this is a player that Seattle might take, and we're okay losing him, then let it happen. Versus send him away for something else that we're gonna have to protect and put ourselves in in more handcuffs there. So I don't know. I think he's gonna. I think he'll be here for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and when you you bring up like <clears throat> bring the expansion back into it. Uh, Cam, it's also like, what are you really getting for Bjork? Are you getting like a pick? Then isn't it worth him being the guy that goes, you know, so they'll have to weigh that out. Um, Bjork is also tied into this for me, uh, which is another question from Patrick. Well, it's two questions, but I'm going to wrap them into one. Uh, Sorry, Patrick. (laughs) Next time, (laughs) next time, not four questions in one tweet. It's confusing the hell out of me. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Cam, we talked about this on the little Friday episode, which you should definitely check out. It's episode 14. Um, yeah, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, Chris, you should do that. You weren't fucking here. Um, and so, uh, yeah. I'm recording secret episodes without me. When pa- when Pasta and Kasha come back, who sits? He asked it separately. Who sits when Pasta comes back? Who sits when Kasha comes back? But let's assume they both come back the same game. Either way, they're both going to come back, and you're going to have to sit somebody for them. Uh, so what two players do you sit? 
in exchange for pasta and kasha. Not I think Tred Bjork's Fred in there. Man. Not Tred Frederick. <laughs> I agree. I think I think Bjork's definitely one of them. Uh, I think you'd have to consider Frederick, but the way he's playing now, no. Uh, unpopular opinion. I think you sit wags. Yeah. No, I think so too. I think like, just, be, just because he's playing. like a, a Boston guy and a fan favorite doesn't mean he's uh, above being uh, up in the press box for some games. And I think forward depth is like, just like we were talking about with, with Bjork, like forward depth is not a bad thing. I don't think you start trading guys away just because you have too many forwards uh, that having guys who could be in an NHL lineup is a good thing because there are going to be more injuries, <laughs> especially in a shortened season. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone on the bottom six, save for Coyle and Frederick, could they, any of those people could sit. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. It's be interesting to see how long Kasha's actually out for. And when we're just constantly getting a, he's out tomorrow, he's out, he has an upper body injury. Like, we don't really know. Like, there's no timeline here. So we may be seeing a lot of, you know, Wagner, Bjork um, for the next couple of weeks, for, ne- for the next couple of games, who knows. But, like... Yeah, anyone but really Coyle and Frederick, I think, are are up to be are up to be sat. Yeah. Um and he actually uh Patrick also asked uh after who sits when Pasta comes back, does he go to Krejci's wing? So does Pasta go to Krejci's wing before Kasha's back, assuming no. Pasta's ahead of Kasha? I, I, think I don't think so. we're contractually, contractually obligated as a podcast to say the erection line has to be back together. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cassidy also said today that that's Pasta's yeah. going back to the top line. So, um, yeah. well, I'm sure that I'm sure that question came in before today, but. Um, mm-hmm. No, I don't think there's any chance you screw up that first line because it's clearly working. Um, I think we see, I think that gets exposed with Pasta not being in the lineup. Um, so I think once he gets back, that line gets going and you just don't, you don't mess with it. It's not, it's nothing wrong with it. So just put him back where he goes. And when Kasha comes back, put him on the second line and just go from there because if it's not broke, don't fix it. So that's exactly what this first line is. Yeah, I was I was long a proponent for uh, Pasta on Krejci's line just so we could have himself a uh, consistent winger for the first time in forever. But I mean, once you've seen uh, it, it was it was kind of unprecedented for like in the modern NHL to have a, a top line like that with three just absolutely elite offensive players, and um, so it did, it seemed like overkill maybe. But I, having what two three seasons of of sample size of like, Oh, these guys just like absolutely dominate. And it's hard to know what their value is separated from each other and whether it diminishes or, or, or whatnot. Like, I, I don't know if uh Postnock can carry his own line. Like we know he's an excellent player, but like, what does that line do from a defensive standpoint? Um, exactly. So I, I think you don't mess with things that are, that are working. Like you said, Lauren. Yeah. And again, it's not like, like you said, Chris, it's not like there's just three elite players it's three elite players who play very well together their playing styles work so well together and that's i mean obviously individually they're all extremely talented but they mesh so well together that that's a big part of i think what makes them the best line in hockey and drew and i again we kind of mentioned this last week but the other thing is obviously having that first line back will provide an offensive spook for the or uh, spark for that first line but it also stabilizes the rest of the lineup because you have less moving parts jumping between the first and the fourth line Having one line that, okay, this is our top line, we're going to put them out, gives you more stability through the rest of the lineup, and you have fewer moving parts. You can hopefully lock down more of a consistent second line and a third line and maybe you know keep that bottom six rolling a little bit more. But I think there's some value there as well. 
I, I think one of the other interesting things is do you move uh, who plays on Krejci's right wing versus the left wing? Who's like Debrusque has been playing on the right wing on the top line. Um, is is he a left winger on Krejci's line? What do you do with Richie? Like if if Richie is legit, which I'm still not convinced. He's totally, not a top six fucking forward. <laughs> I mean, I, it would it would be interesting to to see if he holds it down for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what you do with that. Um, who goes on that? left wing who goes on the right wing on that second line yeah that second line is interesting because really the only mainstay is is Krejci and I feel like it's DeBrusque is on there too but then you can he's been moving up and then you can move him down and I just feel like it's you can really put anyone on there um obviously what if we do Trent Frederick oh god <laughs> he's just gonna keep working his way up yeah at this point i don't hate it like i you know what i mean get somebody with a little fire just, in there with a little speed create some uh, create space i don't honestly, know you never just know put, like when it's five on five just put three guys out there two defensemen and frederick he's his own fucking line just do it <laughs> try it out Sorry, See what totally derail what lauren was saying no it's i mean it's so kind of like the bottom six like i was just saying earlier like it's interchangeable and i feel like that second line like, I think just feel like Krejci's wing are interchangeable. You have Kasha, who's that's that was his spot until he got hurt. You have Smith, you have DeBrusque, you have Frederick, you, you, you have Bjork. You have really so many options to go to put there with Krejci, but at the same time, this is the same old song and dance the Bruins have done for so long where you don't have uh consistent wings with Krejci. And it's, I mean, he's he's handled it so well, but at the same time, it's got to be frustrating because you can't build the chemistry with those players and the more they they change that out, the more it's going to be frustrating that way. So I think they need to figure out who's going to go on on the wings and just stick with it for a little while. That really is the best way to put it as the same old song and dance because it really is. You have so many options that can play that position, but very few that need to be in that position. And that's it's been that way for like I feel like my entire life. Like it's just it's <laughs> over and over and over again. Where it's hey, you can put the Brusk in here, you can put Bjork in here, you can put Trent Frederick in here now, you can put Andre Kasha in there. Any of them are options that seem viable, but none of them have to be there. And that's where it's just like you have so many of those middle six guys that you can plug in, but no one that you ha- you can't pull out. And and that's really what we've been waiting for, especially from that that right side that, that seems like forever. Yeah, I think uh, I can't. I can't wait for Krejci to just be absolutely fed up and snap. Like I hope he does at some point. He's like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Are you? <laughs> he just like, breaks his stick over the right winger's head. Like, it's like a Voracek's press conference where he like shat on that uh, like reporter. Like he just snaps on everybody. He's like, you know, Hags, you've been really, you really mean to me. It's like I don't have any line mates, and all of you, all of you. I, something goes off like just not to make this a uh, a pimping your best tweets uh podcast but i had a tweet that i was like so funny and no one liked it it was just like a, a gif of i don't even know what game show it was from just a gif of a guy like shaking this dude's hand and then like next to him is a a mannequin with no head and he shakes the mannequin's hand and it was just like Krejci meeting his new line mates every practice and <laughs> no one cared. And then, and did you tweet at like 3 a.m. in California yeah. time? Or like no, it was like middle of the day on a weekend. 
Oh, that's Damn. probably why I didn't see it. That's when you jump into the Bruins and Bruins account and just retweet your own tweet. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do that I all the time. Whenever, whenever one of my personal tweets doesn't take off, I go into the Bruins and Bruins tweet. It's like, oh, maybe this will help. I think we all do it. Uh, <laughs> maybe this will help, even though it's like, oh, half of these people also I'm gonna, follow I'm going to do a different one after the podcast and see if it takes off. because go. I got a good idea for one. Uh, I do have one more question coming in. Um a joke question, but we'll toss it in here from Ryjack207 at Ryjack's back. Uh, he says, is it time to trade pasta? No need for him anymore with all of these goals. Don't need to mess around with the chemistry after that uh, explosive offensive performance. Uh, people are asking the question, guys. Uh, is Nick Ritchie the, the new David Posternock? It might, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I think – I honestly think – Drew's like, yeah. You package him – Tuka Rask. I was going to say, my, my first thought when Eight. I read this was like, this is obviously a joke about Pasternak, but there's like a million people who would ask this seriously about Tuka Rask. No, like so. like, like you, you package uh, Pasta and Tuka, you get yourself the whole fourth line that loves to fucking fight, <laughs> yeah. and there you go. The Bruins Cup champs. Punch your way to a Stanley Cup. 2021, 2022, for... 2023 Cup champs. You trade those Jones two guys Scott. for a clone machine, and you clone Trent Frederick, and you have a whole fourth line of Trent Fredericks. Ooh. Trent I mean, Fred Eric. <laughs> you have Trent, you have Fred, you have Eric. Actually, I'd pull the trigger on that. That'd be that's dope. a cold open. Sorry. <laughs> that then you get that, and then you get the entire third line that's just made solely out of first names. Every every name is first name on that line. <laughs> Handsome devils. <laughs> Handsome devils. The smaller um, line. The smaller line. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anybody else got anything else? We'll send it over to Lauren to, to plug his stuff in a sec. But any final talk points we got here? Uh, go Bruins, go Pride. Good, good couple of games against the against the Flyers. That's a tough team. Um, you know, missing a few big players, but still, every game counts. Short season, that was impressive. Stop panicking about a couple of bad games. Hockey's oh, weird. All right, Lauren, what you got? Uh, what do you want to plug? Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at la 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 lauren that's three laws and then four r's and lauren um, it's the easiest way to remember it make it nice and easy for him. four r's lauren <laughs> yes exactly um it's been my thing since i was like 15 so was, there's no going back now um you can find all my stuff my pride stuff my brewing stuff on nesson.com uh, i put some stuff out today on monday um and i'll have stuff throughout the week as well with the pride um Brewing stuff too. I've got some things going out Tuesday morning. So check that out. Um, you can also hear me on the Snipe and Selly pod over at FTF Media um, and also the Stealing Second pod with them as well. Um, you can really hear me anywhere. Um, I'm just constantly on the go. So you can hear Lauren on this pod. Yeah, and the Brews of Ruins and Pride mm. and Pilsners. So I'm. <laughs> I'm quite literally everywhere. So if you find me on Twitter, that's just that's the easiest way. Yeah. Find me there, and then you can find everything else. <laughs> Follow along everything there. Um, Lauren, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, hopefully, we will have you back in just a few weeks. Uh, For sure. We are celebrating Isabel Cup Championship. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's a big knock on wood, but uh, well, yeah. Lauren, you get to pick what song me, Cam, and Chris have to sing. Any uh, song, literally ever. It could be a fucking song. Song. We know the lyrics, which is a big. 
I also um, recommend you log off before we start singing. <laughs> you um, I want to hear some Beyonce. Oh, I don't know that much Beyonce. I but don't know gonna, any Beyonce. I feel like Chris knows some Beyonce. You all yeah. know single ladies. Come on. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, we can't be that mainstream. Bruce and Bruce is cutting edge. We're always pushing pushing boundaries. I don't know. Let's go deep track. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my automobile? Can you pay my telephone bill? I don't know that one either. I, uh, I don't I mean, all the single ladies. So maybe we'll all just be a child, though. That's why I don't edit that out. Oh, single ladies. 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 Oh, single